Hello, Nance fans. This podcast was recorded on August 10th, after Game 1 and before Game 2 of a three-game series between the Nats and the Mets at City Field in Queens. Play ball! Take me out to the ball game. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Cheap Seats, your favorite podcast for Frank, unapologetic, and shamelessly opinionated Washington Nationals news outside the press box, the dugout, and the very informative stadium urinals. My name is Thad Helsley, and I'm very pleased to welcome back our regular guest correspondent, Leonardo from Manhattan, a lifelong Mets fan. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you, Thad. Great to be back, and a big uh, hello to you and to your daughter, Cassia, who's... uh up uh, learning how to make uh, Polish pierogies somewhere in upstate New York, I believe, right? <laughs> so, Len, when we last spoke, which I think was uh, well, way back in June, the last time the Mets and the Nats met in battle, we both our teams had been pretty much been given up for dead. So what has happened since then? Because obviously your fortunes turned around, as did ours. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's uh, both managers were were within probably one or two games of getting fired, and you have to love uh, you know any resurrection story, whether it's uh, Jesus Christ or this one. That's uh, true. I'll go for the yes, right. Um, and uh, you guys have looked good. You, you've slowed down a little bit. We're fourteen and one in our last fifteen games, and this really hasn't happened uh, since the '99 or 2000 World Series team and. Going back a little uh, earlier, the 1969 Mets, which were you know celebrating the 50th anniversary of Kuzmin and Gentry and Seaver and Swoboda, so this might have a little uh, meaning here for us. Right. So, but what do you account for it? I mean, some people have said down here that well, you were playing the uh, less than uh, competitive teams, and you know you just had a string of. Uh, easy-to-beat guys. Uh, but then again, that may just be sour grapes. What do you think? Two words for you, Thad. Phil Reagan. Not sure if uh, the D.C. fans have heard much about him. No, I don't think so. You'll have to explain. Yeah, he's our 83-year-old pitching coach that they brought in just around the time that the Mets started uh, doing well. Um, he was, you know, even Mike Francesa on the fan and, and Richard Neer here up on the fan were questioning the choice to bring in an 83-year-old pitcher whose last game he pitched was in 1972, which I think uh, we had that guy Nixon in office, right? Um, but you know, people were wondering, well, will he be able to get on the plane? Will he be able to uh, not fall asleep during the game? But you know what? I think this speaks <laughs> to a larger issue of experience and wisdom You know, being more important than... Almost anything else, he knows. You know a lot. He's a he's he's turned around Jerry's familia a lot. Uh, he mandated pretty much, you know, with Brody our, our our GM, but pretty much him that the starters go 115 to even 125 pitches because we were losing a lot of games, and also you too a little bit more recently because of the the, the middle relief. So when you add that with some timely hitting. And Alonzo just beating the bejesus out of the ball. You know, we got, you know, we're 
a game and a half out of the wild card right now. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, uh, you and the Phillies are tied. For You're just one behind us, and who knows what's going right. to happen in the next two games. So, uh, And we're only five behind the Braves. So it's still pretty competitive. I mean, there's, what, 47 games left? and uh, Yeah, you got about a quarter of the season left to go. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I mean, anything can happen now. Anything can happen. So now what was the reason for the for the Nat, you know, recent play? After we swept you, you've been playing seven seven oh five ball I mean, until the, that, yeah until we did hit that series uh, last week with uh, the Braves and the Dodgers. We had been yeah we were in the seven hundreds. We were either sweeping or winning two out of three. You know we something similar with us. So they replaced and, and we did it. Um, uh, Costi and I did an episode where we were mocking this choice, but they replaced our um, pitching coach as well with a guy who literally had spent his previous 15 years in the minor leagues. So they they fire the longtime pitching coach, and then they bring in this guy, uh, Paul, right. uh, blanking on his last name, Menlo, what have you. And um, we thought, oh, come on, a guy from the minor leagues is going to fix our bullpen, um, but he sort of did. But it, it wasn't just that. It was it was the fact that, you know, we had all these injuries. We had our top guys out, Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, several other people. Ryan Zimmerman is still out, but those two guys are right. uh, big producers. So they just suddenly, literally within days of one another, came back. So all of a sudden you had both defense and offense, and the bullpen was at least starting to work. So, right. um, wahoo! That's what turned us around. That or hey, Davy sold the soul to the devil. <laughs> Go ahead. I wonder if you can confirm a rumor uh, that's been circulating in the advertising industry up here in New York. Uh, the rumor is going around that Trey Turner is going to be the spokesperson for Dyson vacuum cleaners because the guy just sucked up everything at shortstop. He is. Uh, a true, you know, kind of old-fashioned shortstop gets to everything, makes the right play, he does. heads up. He's like the the captain of the of the field out there. You got to be happy with him. He is. He's pretty incredible, man. And that you know, and when you just look at him, you know, he seems like some skinny kid next door. Um, right. I think this. They when he came in the first day of the season, the guards. Uh, he came to work. And, and this is a true story, apparently. The guards to the Nats Stadium stopped him. He didn't have, he'd forgotten his credentials. They didn't believe that he was a ball player. So he had to go back and, and make a phone call and have some guys come down and escort him in. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like that. Well, you'd think uh... that they'd know what Trey Turner looks like. I mean, this isn't <laughs> the first year he's played. But, it, but he just looked like a kid, you know, and he walks in with, you know, his right. Abercrombie Fitch douchebag wear and, and uh, there you go. But no, he is great. He's great, and 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 Rendon is great too. Nothing gets by him. He could jump ten yeah, feet in the air. Yeah, no, it looks like. Uh, hey, hopefully he's only twenty six years old. You got him for a number of years. Uh, if he stays injury free, he could be a real special player there. And you know, Strasburg. You know, just getting to let you last night's game a little bit. You know, Strasburg looked good. They tagged him that one uh, that one inning, and you know, he's kind of got it away from the fastball. I mean, I remember when he first came up. You know, he would. Uh, you know, he was like one of the first guys over a hundred. Now, you know, I think my uh, my UPS driver uh, throws over a hundred, so everybody does that. But he's uh, you know throwing the curve, the changeup, the slider. 
Yep. Anything in the area about the reason for that change? Let's stress on it. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Well, he uh, he did have a surgery. I don't know if it was Tommy John or something else. So at one point he did have a procedure, and I think um, you know, and he's just gotten older. He's like he turned thirty. So when he started, yeah. he was what twenty one or something. And yeah, you're right. He was throwing the heaters. Now you know he's typically in the low nineties, and so he. Um, he vastly expanded his repertoire of, of pitches. But, I mean, he's been very effective. And uh, so when he came in yesterday, we thought, uh, well, I didn't know, you know, whether he was going to be the same old Strauss or maybe he had, had, you know, suffered some kind of a mental collapse in confidence. I don't know what it was. Yeah, and I also believe uh, uh, Strasburg broke the uh, club record for uh, career strikeouts surpassing uh, the quasi-forgettable Steve Rogers of the of the Expos, but that's always a good feather in your cap, too. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what happened at the trade deadline for you guys. Well, you know, there was a lot of uh, speculation that we were going to be sellers, and right. our GM, uh, Brody uh, Van Wagenen, who uh, sometimes seems like a genius and Sometimes uh, seems like a uh, used car salesman. He's been called both, appropriately so. Uh, when we picked up Stroman from the Blue Jays, everybody thought, uh-oh, there goes Noah Syndergaard. And I was kind of upset because I have an unopened Noah Syndergaard Game of Thrones bobblehead dial. And uh, if anybody's interested in purchasing it, I'll let it go for $75. Just text me. No, just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> 75 but, Oh my God! Yeah, I see it going on eBay for about sixty. So you know, we're, we're really wow. Uh, yeah, so we did that. We picked up Stroman. Uh, we didn't let really anybody go of, uh, of of crazy value, and now we got you know. And we, oh, we let go uh, Vargas, uh, and which uh, you know he had a good last month of the season or previous month before we we got him to the Phillies, but. He throws up, you know, if you remember the song Lollipop, Lollipop. He's just a Lollipop thrower. I think you and I could probably uh, hit it out of the park against Vargas. We're both righties, I believe. I know I'm a righty. Yep. Against righties, they just take them them to task there. So, you know, no, uh, you know, no, I think that was an addition by subtraction. Showman, he's younger. They have control of him for more years. So that's basically all we did. We have... um, and, you know, we got J.D. Uh, J.D. O'Neal. We got, uh, I'm sorry, McNeil hitting good. Rosario doing very well, who's our shortstop. Conforto. You know what? I don't know if you see that last play of the game. There's a lot of people that think your right fielder should have been playing a little bit deeper. You had two outs, and he was a good way from the warning track. What do you think of that one? Are you talking about last night? Last night, yeah. It went over his head. Didn't look, you know, it's hit hard, but I think if you're playing, you know, it's two outs, so, uh, you know, there's two schools of thought. You want to cut down a single, but, you know, Conforto is just a, you know, he's a gap hitter and he hits them hard. I think that your right fielder might have been out of position there. My impression was just that, you know, Doolittle folded like a beach chair and he just, you know, basically, you know, gave everybody underhanded, uh, you know, girl softball pitches. That's a good point. Uh, the, you know, they mentioned that Doolittle has given up 19 runs the whole year. Ten of those runs have been to the New York 
metropolitan. And here is where the sabermetrics can go, can backfire, right? Sabermetrics says, you got to leave, put in your closure. But, um, you know, when you have a team that just seems to have the number, and you got, okay, yes, Conforto was lefty against lefty, but Conforto is a pretty bit, you know, good lefty-lefty hitter. And then you have the two other righties against them. You know, mix it up, right? You know, even when there's a fastball count, you throw a curve. Like, mix it up a little bit. But, you know, as a manager, and if you make that mistake and it goes awry, then you get the blame. But here, when the team's got the number, you know, I just think it was a bad job. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of your manager, but I just think it was a bad job. And I'd be surprised if we see Doolittle for the rest of the series. Uh, I think you're right because, uh, you know, just listening to sports radio uh, last night and this morning, the consensus is just what you said, that he has a history of uh, not being able to pitch to you guys because, like you say, you've got his number or the karma's not there or whatever. But um, don't... uh, don't go up against uh, the you know the devil. Just don't don't put them out there. They've got other guys who you know Doolittle might be the main closer, but he doesn't close every day. You know when we've got this right. old guy that we brought in recently, the oldest active player in the league, forty-two year old Rodney Ferraro. Um, he's closed for us a few times, so uh, you know it, it would have been possible. I mean, Christ, we were up. It was six to three. It wasn't like some uh, you know. It didn't look like a desperate close situation, you know, like, like just a one-run right. difference. So, I mean, you could take a risk on another guy at the bottom of the ninth. That's for sure. And uh, there is some speculation. I, I hear uh, Doolittle is a big fan of, of hot dogs and sausages. And maybe, you know, the hot dogs and sausages at City Field are very, very spicy. So if he had one or two of those before the game, that could have been a factor. <laughs> well, maybe. You know, and with the success the Mets have had, you know, our manager, Callaway, getting a fair amount of credit, although, like I said, Phil Regan probably deserves most of the credit. And like, you know, when they say every cloud has a silver lining, it's often the reverse for the Mets. It's usually every silver lining has a bunch of clouds coming. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's just that's the life of a, of a Met fan, right? Disappointment, shame, embarrassment, and humiliation. Um, well, but, that was uh, also the life of a Cubs fan, but finally it came true for them, and you've won more World did, Series than they have. That's true. That's true. But we, you know, we can, that could be a whole other show. And tune in next time, folks. <laughs> I think there's also, uh, you know, I mean, if the Mets win the World Series, I think Callaway will be back. But I just hope... And if anybody out there knows either the Will Ponds or anybody connected to uh, Mets management, because I know there's a lot of influential people listening, both in D.C. and the New York area, I would just hope, you know, I pray for help from my family and friends. I pray for success in the workplace. I pray for world peace. And then the fourth thing I pray for is Joe Girardi as New York Mets manager next year. And the one thing bad about this success is I hope that this doesn't mean we're going to get Callaway back because he is a, you know, a C-minus manager, and we, I think we all know that Girardi is an A. And if I think if we had Girardi next year, uh, things would be, could, will be a lot better, too. Is that actually a, a serious uh, it's proposal about, that can possible? You know, talked about, yeah. You know, he still lives in New Jersey. He hasn't moved away. 
Uh, he does uh, a weekly show with Mike Francesa here. And, you know, uh, Callaway, it's pretty much uh, a given that, unless they win the World Series, probably not going to be back because Brody Van Wagenen did not choose him. Now, Brody's like, I don't know, 38, 42. Girardi's probably going in. I think he's probably 54, 55. You know, would he hire somebody that might overshadow him? Who knows? But the guy can get the most out of talent. He's proved it. He can handle a bullpen. He can handle a team. He knows how to motivate people. So if anybody out there has the cell phone for any of the Will Ponds, I pledge, I plead to text them with this idea, which I'm sure is circulating in their head. Now, who who is the the president of baseball operations? Is this is his first year, right? Uh, that's Brody Van Wagen. That's former, Brody. Okay, okay. Baseball agent. Yeah. Okay, and he had been very successful in his previous careers, right? As a as a businessman or as an yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. He represent. Well, I don't know what he did before being an agent, but he was. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He was an agent, agent at CAA. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for Degrom and uh, I think Syndergaard and. Um, you know, but uh, there's a big difference between you know being an agent and building an organization from the ground up. You know, you got the farm system, you got the teaching, you got the attitude, and maybe he'll do good. We hope and pray that he will. But if he really wants to do well, you know, you got to hire the best people. And I can't think of a better manager that is out of work right now than Joe Girardi. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, you know, and you're and Brody. Uh, he's not afraid to, to stand, unlike some of these other guys that, that hide away from the media because they're ashamed of what's going on. He's not afraid to get out there. I, I mean, he did an interview with somebody in our market, uh, like a long-form one, like a 20-minute interview, uh, right. when you guys were doing bad, you know, before there, before you went on this winning streak. And, uh, you know, he stood up to all the questions, and he was, you know, maintained his optimism and... Uh, explained, you know, how why he thought that this was going to be one of the best, uh, you know, Mets teams that they've ever had. So we'll see. Yeah, you know, Cano, uh, you know, and he's, you know, he's taking some heat too. Uh, Familia, he gave a contract of $11 million a year for Pete's sake, and, you know, he's doing pretty well. Let's hope it continues. Uh, Cano, you know, somebody asked him, hey, have you ever seen Robinson Cano play without the use of steroids? And because we really don't know what his steroid use is, we know he was banned. For 80 games, uh, Cano was batting, you know, barely hitting his weight uh, for most of the season. He's come back a little bit. But now he's on a four- to six-week injured list, and who knows if that's steroid-related. Um, so, you know, he's made but You know, you got people like McNeil. You got people like Alonzo. You have people like Davis. You have uh, Ramos is having an okay year. You know, Tom Frazier, uh, kind of from the recycle bin, doing pretty well, hitting that three-run homer. So he's got some good things. You know, nobody's perfect. But, again, if we can get Girardi next year, keep the pitching coach, uh, plug up the bullpen a little bit, um, you know, we can battle the Braves or even you next year. <laughs> well, let's just try to get through this damn series if we can. So we never really fully discussed the Baby Shark song, which I know you very much admire and are probably going to go out and get the original vinyl. Yeah, that would be a fake news there, Thad. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I think it's uh, uh, immature. I think I don't think it's the right thing to teach kids that sharks are friendly people. I grew up on the ocean in an ocean town called Oceanside on Long Island. 
where, you know, getting uh, bitten by a shark was a regular kind of fear for us. And, uh, you know, not a big fan. I think it should be more inclusive. I would say a fluke, a baby fluke would be more appropriate, <laughs> or a baby snapper, or a baby tuna. I mean, what's wrong with tuna? Uh, I think it's dangerous to teach kids that sharks are friendly creatures. What do you think, Beth? Oh, I think we should show every toddler Jaws again. We should pull that one out of the, the mothballs. Get, the... Get out of the water! Get out of the water! Oh, boys, I think the shark is back for his noon feeding. But, you know, there's also freedom of speech. I believe in the First Amendment, so if it's not illegal and it's okay, and if he wants to do a shark, do a shark. It you know, I so... wonder what Babe Ruth walk-up music would have been. <laughs> You know, what, what was the top hit of 1942, right? You know, I, maybe uh, some big of 1942. No, I, I, I think it would be uh, Tom Waits singing, The piano has been drinking like me. <laughs> okay, man. Well, it's been great chatting. And, uh... You know, we appreciate all the listeners out there. Keep the cards and letters coming, folks. Okay, thank you, everybody, and thank you to Leonardo from Manhattan. Woo! Oh. <laughs>